0: the Mayfair Witchcast, where I tell my favorite person,
1: me, Tim,
0: my favorite story. So listen along every week as I break down this story, chapter by chapter,
1: with that insight, me.
0: Warning, we are not professionals. This story contains many triggers. We talk about them as gently as we can. But I'm just a girl telling her husband an amazing story of a family of witches, ghosts, ancient orders, lust, and love. So join us for a read-along and discussion of the lives of the Mayfair witches. Hi, babe. Hello, dear. Hi, it's been a while. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Mayfair Witchcast.
1: Yay. Yay.
0: Today, there he is.
1: Yeah, he wasn't ready.
0: Hello, Kitty. Now we're ready. Today, we are starting part three. Come into my parlor.
1: Creepy as shit.
0: Yeah? Do you know anybody with a parlor? No. I wonder what that is by definition. Is what we have considered a parlor? I doubt
1: it. The parlor is like a fucking sitting room. It's just a different name. Is it not?
0: Yeah, it's like where you gotta wait. It's not the living room. And it's not like the family room. And it's not like the entryway. But it's like off the entryway. Are you Googling? I did. Right away we have a Tim Googles.
1: Yeah, first thing that came up was a fucking app.
0: Oh no, that's not what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, <laughs> here we <go. laughs> a room used primarily for conversation or the reception of guests. Pre hmm. cocktails, or cocktail room, parlor.
0: Yep. Whatever that is. So first of all, we have some more beautiful art in the book of the backyard with the iron fence, the trees, the big old oaks. Beautiful. So it starts with chapter 33 and it begins, the madness of restoration began on Thursday morning. As far as the grave was concerned and all his thoughts about it and the doorway and the number 13, they had gone into the notebook and He did not wish to dwell on them anymore. So Michael's been, like, practicing with Aaron, using his hands and all that. And they went to the cemetery together, remember, to um, Carlotta's funeral. Michael hated that. And he realized that there are 12 crypts, and the doorway carved on the top makes 13 portals so to speak hmm. and as carlotta was being put into the crypt michael is like looking at the carved keyhole doorway wondering why why does it look exactly like the doorway at the house like why there's the 13 he says to Aaron. And Aaron's like, but they've buried, like, so many people in those crypts. And he's like, you know how it's done. he's like, look, it's a pattern. Look at it. Twelve crypts in a doorway. It's a pattern. I'll tell you. I knew the number and the door were connected. I just don't know what they mean. So later on, while they're waiting for Rowan... Aaron types in his computer and Michael draws the doorway in his notebook. He hates it, the doorway. And he says he's seen it somewhere else in some other representation, but he doesn't know where. All the three of them Michael, Rowan, and Aaron have been at Oak Haven. It's been lovely, but it's time to go back and start work. Michael has a lot of fun putting it all together. Uh, Turns out there are a lot of craftsmen who are out of work at this time since, like, the oil depression. So he hires, like, everybody from, like, plumbers to landscapers. Everything is to be cleaned. Even the pool is scheduled to be fixed. The lawyers of the family come in and do, like, an official inventory of the estate. There is, like, priceless French antiques are brought down from the attic. All of Stella's art deco treasures, oil paintings by the dozens, rolled up rugs, old tapestries, and, like, chandeliers from Riverbend. Each crated and marked (laughs) are all found in the attic. And then they do, like, the cabana in the back. An entire renovation of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the hotel, Michael is, like, going through books on, you know, old architecture. And he's, like, making lists and special little notebooks that he's bought. And Rowan is going over, like, all the financial shit. Telling Michael that he can, like, spend as much money as he needs or wants. Uh, later that day, Rowan meets Aunt B and Aunt Sandra May for drinks, and she's got plans to meet more cousins for breakfast the next day after like the inventory is finished. Ryan says, "Well, my dear, I'm happy to report no more bodies." They explain to her that the inventory was almost the same as the one that was taken at the death of Ansa. They just had to, like, check things off the list. Things haven't even been moved. (laughs) All we did most of the time was check them off. Even the count of the gold and the jewels was the same. And he's going to have the inventory ready for her soon. Michael goes to work on the house, fixing what's needed to, to move in first. Things are moving along with no trouble from Lasher. Everything's being fixed, cleaned, or updated. This is like a lot of fun for Michael. But he can't take the feeling that they're being watched all the time. That they're just like biting their time. That the house is itself alive somehow. Maybe it's the shit he saw in the attic. He's not sure. So Eugenia's there, and she wants to work, and nobody knows the way the house she does. You know, like there's a lot of shit going on. And this part of the chapter ends with he had a score of damask and velvets to show her that wouldn't cost half as much. There's a little break in the chapter. We pick up with when michael met rowan for lunch at mayfair and mayfair she was still signing brian greets him when he gets there and explains that it's always custom before antha and deirdre to make bequests at a time such as this and rowan is going to revive the custom But he's like, we're making a list now of Mayfairs who might accept a bequest. Do you know what a bequest is? No. It's like an offer of money.
1: For nothing?
0: For, because they have a lot? Mm. So, like, Beatrice is already on the phone to anybody and everybody. And he goes on to say, like, please understand, this isn't as insane as it sounds. Most Mayfairs have money in the bank and always have. Nevertheless, there are, like, cousins who could use, like, um, you know, some money for medical school or someone who's saving to buy a house, you know, that type of thing. It's commendable of Rowan to want to do this custom. And, of course, you know, considering the size of the estate, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So, Ryan seems to be, like, testing Michael, Michael only, like, nods and shrugs, and he's like, yeah, sounds great. So Rowan pays extra money to have the pole cleaned and fixed even sooner. And restoration and updates to the house happen fast. Michael's like, what color do you want the house to be? And what about the cabana? And she's like, well, tell me what you want. <laughs> And he's like, I'll leave it violet. The color it's always been. With dark green shutters. Blue roof for the porches. Gray for the porch floors. Black for the cast iron. Sounds beautiful. Then he goes on to talk about the iron fence and how it runs like further than the property. It's actually like the whole block and it's even older than the house itself
1: cast iron
0: yeah the neighborhood i grew up in only had like one or two houses with that type of thing going on and it certainly didn't run the whole length anymore anyway she agrees with the colors she's like yeah that's all perfect do whatever so rowan tells michael to like make decisions and spend money she wants things to like happen fast michael mentions that there are like other houses on the street. That he would like to, you know, buy up and do the same thing with. And Rowan is like, oh, how much do you need? <laughs> and Michael has to remind her that he has his own money. <laughs> Remember? Like, he was quite successful. Yeah. In his restoration business, this is what he does for a living. And he does have his own money. He can, he can do that himself. Michael... And Aaron and Rowan set up, like, an old table and chairs in the center of the lawn. And they have their lunch there every day. Um, Aaron's making progress looking at Julian's books. And it's just mostly lists of names with, like, brief little statements. Nothing real. Like, it'll say something like, April 4th, 1889, Hendrickson paid out as he deserved. May 9th, 1889, Carlos, paid in kind. And it will go on. Nothing real. Just page after page, book after book. Occasionally there's little maps and drawings or financial notes, but for the most part, it's just nothing. Nothing. It means nothing. It's not the autobiography they're looking for. They talk about the attic. What's up there? Where Aaron mentions that he's afraid to go up to the attic because he had a fall on the staircase at the hotel. He was impatient with the elevator and he fell on the first landing of the stairs. And it could have been worse. They're all like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, well, this is soon enough. It's nothing out of the ordinary. <laughs> I don't re- Except that he doesn't recall losing his footing. He just, you know... But he's got a sore ankle, and so he's don't wasn't doesn't want to go up to the attic right now. Rowan's a little bit angry. She looks up at the house. There are workmen everywhere. Aaron's like, don't become alarmed. I, I I want you to know, but don't don't fret. <laughs> Rowan is like speechless. Michael can feel how angry she is. He can see it. They've seen nothing there so far. Absolutely nothing. No one else has seen anything. At least not worth mentioning to anybody at the actual house. And you know, I was like, but you were pushed, weren't you? Perhaps, said Aaron. I think so. He likes to knock Julian's books about too. <laughs> it was like, why? They're like, why? What is he doing? Aaron thinks maybe he wants attention, but he could protect himself. The work here does seem to be coming along splendidly. Like he changes the subject.
1: Being haunted by last year, and I haven't told you.
0: So Michael's like, I want this shit to like come to a boil. He thinks he'll win. And they're like, what about your hands? He's like, I, I, I take the gloves off for a couple hours each day. <laughs> He's getting used to, like, the heat and the feeling. And even when he can't blot everything out, it's like a dream coming true, all of this, isn't it? Michael asks. Like, for me? Aaron's like, for both of us. Michael asks if Aaron trusts him. And Aaron's like, why on earth would you ask? And he says, do you think I'm going to win? Do you think I'm going to do what they want of me? Aaron's like, what do you think? And he's like, I think she loves me, and that it's going to be wonderful what happens. And Aaron says, so do I.
1: There's
0: (laughs) one tiny little bit of the chapter left, and it starts with, he felt good. Each excessive hour brought some new realization of it. And in his time at this house, there had been no other fragmentary memories of the Visions. No sense of the ghosts. He's comfortable being with Rowan. Comfortable being in their suite at the hotel, going back to work on books and notes, like physical exertion for the day, instead of, you know, like what he was doing. He's like hardly drinking now. His senses are coming back. <laughs> <laughs> He can't get enough of Rowan. And the chapter ends with him wondering how he had ever slept all those years without her arms around him. That is the end of chapter 33. Nothing really happens there except for we learn about Aaron had a fall.
1: Aaron had a fall.
0: House is, you know, being worked on. It's very fun for Michael. They're in love. And I think it's a good time to take our first break. Sweet. And yeah, we're back with chapter thirty-four. It begins Her private time was still the early morning. No matter how late she read, she opened her eyes at 4 o'clock. And no matter how early he went to bed, Michael slept like the dead till 9 unless someone shook him or screamed at him. But that's okay because it gives her like a margin of quiet that she needs. But she's never known a man who accepts her like so completely. She goes into like great detail about how she is... So attracted to Michael, so in love with him, like maybe it's his age because he's older. Basically, she's like, he's not like other boys. (laughs) She's completely in love, but she still likes her alone time. Like when she's walking the streets from the hotel to the house. Like today, she's got an errand that she's got to do that she's been putting off. It's like one of those things. But she does it. She goes upstairs, feeling almost a little eager, a little excited, to her mother's bedroom. Gets out the little velvet purse of gold coins. Still laying there, completely ignored. So is the jewel box. No one dared touch them. There's been like six different workmen that have reported that these like, things are laying out. And that somebody should do something about them. But she's been putting it off. So she like stares down at these things. These gold coins. God only knows where they come from. She gathers it all up. All the loose coins. And picks up the jewel box. And she takes them down to her favorite room. The dining room. She sits down. With her literal treasures. Like lays them all out in front of her and she whispers, you're here, I know you are, you're watching me. She feels cold. She looks at some of the coins, they're Roman, Spanish. She pulls out some more. These might be Greek, she isn't sure. A stickiness clung to them, part damp and part dust. She longed to polish them. It struck her suddenly that that would be a good task for you, N- This is not a good idea. Do not polish antique coins. Don't touch them. Leave them alone. Thinking about this kind of makes her smile. And then she thinks she hears something. Like a vague rustling. But she doesn't pay attention to it. So she gathers the coins back up and puts them aside. And next is the jewel box. It's really old. It's rectangular with like real tarnished hinges. It's worn and it's like a deep box with six large compartments. It's full of various jewels. They're in no order, just earrings, necklaces, rings, pins, all tangled up. And at the bottom are like little tiny pebbles of what appear to be like raw stones. She's like, are these real rubies and emeralds?
1: Well, yes, they are.
0: Probably, most likely, yes. I don't imagine they'd be in there if they were (laughs) fake. She's looking at them. She's like, I don't know. But, like, a sadness comes over her. She thinks about Antha and her mother. And, and oh, yeah, the Mayfair Emerald. Hasn't thought about that for a while. Not since the first night. And in the first night, it seemed, like, unreal. Like, it's not hers, and it was kind of, like, repulsive. Now that she knows the history and stuff, it seems like a living thing. And she, like, has this longing to be, like, one of them who wore it and wanted him to come, you know? She feels, like, shame over this, that maybe, like, Michael and Aaron might know that she'd been thinking about that. And then she has the thought that it's unfair. It's like a sudden thought that he should be her enemy before they even met. Then she says out loud, like, what are you waiting for? Are you like the shy vampire of myth who must be invited in? I think not. This is your home. You're here now. You're listening to me and watching me. So as she sits there, she starts looking around, like admiring the murals. She's noticing things she's never seen before in them. She's looking outside and she's watching the branches outside and the leaves swirling around. And she realizes that it's Lasher. He is there. He's the one making the... There's no weather anywhere else. This is him doing the leaf rustling thing. She asks him why he won't speak to her. And then workmen start showing up to work in the house. She puts her treasure away, locks it up. And when she's leaving, just to make sure, she like walks around the back. And like the air outside is still, no breeze. And there are leaves everywhere curled up on the ground she's like, what keeps you from speaking to me? Are you really afraid? Nothing moves. Then there's a dull crackling sound. She slowly looks to the garden patch, to a dark tangle, from which a vagrant purple iris sprang, savage and shivering. A hideous mouth of a flower. It's stem snapping back now, as though a cat darting through. She watched it sway and then right itself and grow still. She has, like, the urge to touch it as if it were an organ. But what's happening to it? She stared. The heat is heavy on her eyes. There's gnats flying everywhere. like, swatting them away like, is the flower actually growing? No, something had injured it. And it was breaking from its stem. It looks like monstrous and enormous. There's more men coming. She's like hot. She pulls her handkerchief out. She's like blocks the sweat away. She, all the plans that she has for the day come back to her. She's like, yeah, so much to do. And Michael's going to be getting up soon. And if she hurries... They might be able to have breakfast together, and that is the end of chapter thirty-four. Not a lot happens in that chapter either. It's really short, except for she takes inventory of the jewels and the coins for the first time. We hear about what's in there
1: and thinking about Lasher.
0: Thinking about Lasher, talking to him, and she sees the magic flower again. This is her second magic flower. She had the rose Uh, the end of uh, chapter 32, and then this iris growing out in the backyard (laughs) that was being snapped off. On to chapter 35. Monday morning, Michael and Rowan went downtown together to obtain their Louisiana driver's licenses. You couldn't buy a car here until you had the state driver's license. So, later that night, they go to dinner on Bourbon Street. It's New Orleans. The whole deal. They take a walk. They spend the evening in the quarter. It all amazes Rowan. Michael is, you know, of course, like, overwhelmed with memories. Then they go get, like, donuts. They drive up through the Irish Channel. Then uptown to where, like, the Victorian section is. He points out his, like, favorites that he wants to restore. And he's like, wow, I can really buy those houses. Like, just the way I used to dream of when I was a kid. (laughs) They go back to the hotel. They stay up late drinking beer and talking. They talk about the house and does she miss the hospital? And she's like, yeah, but she's got plans. A great plan for the future, which she would disclose soon enough. (laughs) So, Rowan explains that having the legacy changes everything. And she's still learning. And it's, like, too early to draw out the whole plan. But basically, she wants to build, like, a neurocenter. Like, where they can do all the shit together. At once. Research, surgery, save lives. And she wants to, like, return the legacy to healing surely you see it all the way from Suzanne and Jan Van Abel the surgeon to a great innovative medical center devoted of course to the saving of lives Michael's like sitting there pondering she gives a shrug and she's like oh there's so much to study so much to learn but can't you see the continuity and Michael's just like yeah continuity (laughs) 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 <laughs> and he's thinking like you know like how he was so certain of when when he woke up in the hospital that like everything was connected and that he was chosen because of who he was and it's all connected and she's like you know, it's, it's still talking to him she's like it's all possible and she's like searching him for a reaction he's like it's too close to perfect i don't know She gets angry. And she's like, stop thinking about your visions. Stop thinking about invisible people in the sky. There's no ghosts in the attic. Think for yourself. And he's all like, I am, I am. I'm sorry, don't get mad. It's a good idea. It's perfect. Don't kill me. Yeah. He's uneasy. And he's just like, have some patience with me. It's all a little over my head. And she's like, all you have to do is love me and listen to me and let me think out loud. And he's like, I'm with you. Always. I think it's great. (sighs) I hate when they use always as a sentence. Now I just always will. It just bothers me. She's like, I know you can't really imagine it. I understand, but the money is there and there's like an obscene amount of money, and for two generations, these corporation lawyers have tended to this fortune, allowing it to feed upon itself and multiply like a monster. Long ago, they lost sight of the fact that it was the property of one person. It belongs to itself in some horrible way. It's greater than any human being should have control of. He's like, yeah, a lot of people would agree with you, but he can't get, shake the memory of like lying in the hospital bed, believing his whole life had meaning that everything he's ever done was about to be redeemed. And he's like, yeah, that would redeem everything, wouldn't it? But he's seeing the grave in his mind with the 12 slots and the doorway and the name Mayfair and big letters. And the flowers withering. But he's like, I, I'm going to force myself out of this. And the best distraction he knows is just looking at her. And looking and thinking about touching her. So he does. And it's working. And, you know, a little switch goes off in his brain. And he's suddenly thrown into... A little switch was suddenly thrown into the ruthless mechanism called his brain. So he starts thinking about her. and I don't even want to read this next section out loud. <laughs> First, he compares her to food, which is always weird to me. Like sherbet or whipped cream. What? So then, eventually, you know, he can't take it anymore. And he kisses her neck. And she's like into it and he offers her to carry her to bed and she's like, yeah, I'd love it. And she says, you haven't done that since the first time, what, five days ago. And also Michael is 48 and he spent the better part of the last year sitting in a chair drinking beer. Don't carry me up the
1: stairs.
0: (laughs) We'll both die.
1: Yes.
0: This is stretching. This is stretching. They make it. They make it up there fine. No problems. It's a cinch. And I just found this part so just unbelievably unbelievable. (laughs) And that's where that part of this Chapter ends, and before we finish this chapter, I think we should take another break so I can collect myself.
1: Come back, here.
0: We're back again with the second half of chapter 35. All right. I had some twizzlers, I feel better. <laughs> so this part starts with on Tuesday, the air conditioning men began their work. Everything's being fixed up, French furniture is being restored, plasters are finishing the front bedroom, carpets being measured for, floors being sanded in the dining room. Michael checks the chimneys himself for the library and the double parlor they have a double parlor so not only do they have one space for a greeting but they have a double space for <laughs> the greeting and receiving of guests yes and what, what else was it for casual conversation or something like conversation
1: that conversation or greeting guests
0: right they're in good condition The chimneys with excellent draft the rest of the fireplaces have been long ago fitted for gas or some of them are sealed up It's decided that they're going to change the heaters to the more attractive kind, which looks like real coal
1: fires.
0: (laughs) Appliances in the kitchen are being replaced. Rowan picks out beige silk for the front room draperies and something in a darker damask for the dining room to blend with the faded plantation murals. Every thing upstairs is gonna be cheerful and bright. Michael goes through books of paint chips. He takes bids from window cleaners and companies that clean the chandeliers. And even the grandfather clock in the parlor is being repaired. They get Beatrice's housekeeper involved. She's even in it. She gets all new bedding, down pillows, and comforters. They install a burglar alarm system. Including smoke detectors, glass protectors, and buttons to summon emergency medical help. Wow. The newest technology. (laughs) The only flaw in her day for Rowan is her argument on the phone with Dr. Larkin. When she tells him she's going to take an extended vacation. He accuses her of selling out turning away from her true vocation she of course only gives him vague statements about what's going on he's very angry about it she gets off the phone she's like exhausted she's not even going back to california to close up her house she doesn't ever want to see that place again she's escaped michael's like yeah i get it i understand but he kind of tries to tell her not to sell the house too soon And she shrugs, and she's like, I'd put it on the market tomorrow if I hadn't already rented it. She rented it out to that Dr. Slatterly, the asshole that's taken her place. Mm. And he agreed to, like, box everything up and put it in storage. And she says, it'll probably all stay there, unopened, for 20 years. By Friday, Michael and Rowan are at the Mercedes-Benz dealer on St. Charles Avenue. Michael says, now this was a fun errand. (laughs) He remembers being a kid and he used to walk by all these dealerships and swoon over them but he doesn't mention it because he has a memory for every block they pass everything they did he has a memory but he watches like amused as rowan writes out checks for two cars the first is a jaunty little 500 sl two-seater convertible and the big classy four-door sedan both in cream with caramel leather upholstery because that's what they had there on the floor. Mm-hmm. They don't say what kind of sedan, they just say four-door sedan.
1: Yeah, Mercedes DOR.
0: Well, is there more isn't there more than one sedan? Man. Maybe not in nineteen ninety. It doesn't huh? matter.
1: It's a sedan.
0: <laughs> the day before? He himself had picked up a nice, shiny, luxurious American van! It just says American van. (laughs) He could stow anything. Did still speed around in comfort and ease with air conditioning and the radio. (laughs) Rowan acts like this is nothing remarkable. She doesn't even just seem to find it interesting buying two cars. So as they drive away in the convertible, she has the other car like delivered to her, whatever. Rowan's like, let's get out of here. Florida's, like, less than four hours away. There's, like, this place. I can get boat. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna buy a house there, too. Other Mayfair's have houses out there. She already has things in the works. She's already got Cousin Ryan contacting the, uh, realtor. Michael also has Florida vacation memories. Like, the ones he was thinking about the day he decided to drive out to fucking the coast and get out of his car and drop they make one last little stop at the house before they go eugenia's there she says it's like really good to see the place coming back they invite her to move back in to which i was like you're just now inviting her to move back in (laughs)
1: like
0: i thought you know it was like a don't spend the night alone in this house after someone died you know like be with your family but like of course, she's like delighted, like, yeah, I would like to live in my home. Mm-hmm. Work in the house is going to continue while they're gone. Everything's moving right along. The pole's almost done. Garden's been cleared out. They find some more old cast iron chairs and tables that have been hidden. They find some flagstone steps on the side screen porch where Deirdre, so it had once been open. Michael's like, we ought to leave it that way. I'm in grease, and she's like, can you really tear yourself away from this? She throws in the keys and she's like, I think you should drive. I think I make you nervous. And he's like, only when you run lights and stop signs at such high speeds. I mean, it's the breaking of two laws simultaneously that makes me nervous. She's like, okay, as long as you get us there in four hours. He takes like another last look at the house before they go. And he's like, everything is going so well, so wonderfully well. And he feels like a pain inside him, like a twinge of sadness and then like pure happiness. And he's like, I'm here. I'm really here. I'm not dreaming. The visions are distant. They seem unreal. He hasn't had a flash of them in a long time. But Rowan was waiting and the clean white southern beaches were waiting. More of his wonderful old world to be reclaimed. It crossed his mind suddenly that it would be luscious to make love to her in yet another new bed. That's the end of chapter
1: <laughs> 35. I got money. Let's spend it.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go buy another house over here because I would like a boat. There are lakes and canals in New Orleans in there. And like the Gulf, ga- I mean...
1: Yeah, I, suppose. Well, uh,
0: I guess this is more her type of boating. You're a Probably a different type of boating. I'm
1: not a specialist on boats. You're a specialist on fucking New Orleans.
0: I am not. I only ever just read a lot of it, right? <laughs> I think those chapters are where we will stop for today. For this episode. Now what happened? Just things moving right along. Talking about plans for the future.
1: Some bad shit's going to be coming soon.
0: Yeah. It's all just too wonderful. We're going to Florida.
1: Oh, yeah. So some shit's going to happen because it's fucking Florida.
0: Is that a prediction?
1: I'll take that as a prediction, sure.
0: Some shit will happen in Florida. Some some shit (laughs) will happen
1: in Florida. Or they'll witness some shit happen in Florida that's Florida.
0: I hope they don't take Aaron. I don't think they plan to, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> um, they're working on the house somehow with no accidents. What do you think is different there? Just no, I don't know. The mood has changed, or
1: I suppose. I don't know. Carlotta's not there.
0: <laughs> Could be it. Lester made some branches move. Some leaves twirl and a flower grow. Why do you think he's not like appearing or talking to her? No idea. Michael thought a couple times in these chapters about the doorway and the 12 or 13 or.
1: Uh, That was one of my predictions a while back, I think.
0: Yeah. He's still not sure. It's just.
1: Yeah.
0: He's wondering. Aaron doesn't think so. Aaron thinks. Yeah, they buried so many people down there. Way more than twelve.
1: Yeah, means something now. This connection.
0: Yeah, so I guess you know. Next week we're gonna pick up with chapter thirty six, and we'll we'll probably do more than that. We'll do probably at least thirty six and thirty seven, maybe thirty eight too. These are a bunch of short, little, short chapters in this section, and you know what, babe. You know what I think? Let me just make sure. We have less than 200 pages left in this book. Some of those pages don't even have print on them. (laughs) Like they're just the, you know, picture. And then on the back of that, there's nothing. So there is, we are coming up on the end here. We're on part three. There is, of course, a part four and an epilog it There's been no new news on the tv shows recently but in the meantime as a side project pretty soon i think we're gonna be watching the movie queen of the damned so listeners if you guys have any thoughts on that movie you want us to hear before we watch it let us know also if you have any thoughts about this book these chapters specifically or this book as a whole Or anything you want to say to us at all. We would love to hear from you. You can email us at the Witchcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Mayfaircast. Please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. And until we do, or until next week, thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.